Before we start the podcast, please make sure you check the description for any content warnings that may be relevant to you. You're listening to an ILX podcast. Welcome to ILX Podcasts. In this series, we're discussing diversity and inclusion in the workplace, why it's so important, how far we've come, and where we're headed next. We reached out to as many people as possible in our personal and professional networks with the aim of having honest conversations where those involved could share their experiences, thoughts, and opinions on various areas of diversity. And these are the conversations we had. Hi, so I'm Russell Kenrick. I'm Adam Deuce. Hello, my name is Amelie. My name is Shalina Samani. My name's Tim Packer. My name is Celia Sandia Daniels. Hi, I'm Emily Hamilton. My name's Chris Coombs. Hi, I'm Holly. I'm Erina. I'm Miao. I'm Hazel. I'm Giuliano. I'm Indigo Rosen Hunt. I'm Priya. My name's Katie. I'm Scott Hunter. My name is Phoebe. I'm Alice. And on behalf of ILEX, I really hope you enjoy these podcasts. If you do, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. I'd also encourage you to check the description box for any additional information related to the topics discussed in this series and to find out more about ILX's diversity and inclusion group. This week, we're talking about age. While our age shouldn't matter at work, it seems that however old we are, there are still stereotypes and assumptions that often have a negative effect on us all. In our discussions around age, we'll be delving into everything from not being taken seriously as a younger person to the hormonal and physiological changes that affect us as we get older. To answer the question of why, with regards to diversity and inclusion, age deserves more of our attention. Yeah, hi, so I'm Russell Kenrick. I'm the Managing Director at ILX Group. Uh, Looking forward to talking to you today about diversity and inclusion. In my mind, um, age doesn't matter, you know, Age brings perspective and it brings wisdom, um, but it also brings preconceptions and, you know, kind of other thoughts. You've got to be really careful about stereotypes here. But I think that it isn't that critical. I think that that the way that um, people work is so much more important than the age. Mm. So, you know, what are their beliefs? What are their experiences? What are their values? How do they go about achieving in the workplace what it is they're there to do? That mm. counts for so much more than the age. Um, yeah. you, can have, you can have relatively little workplace experience, but with the right beliefs, the right values, the right work ethic, you know, and you know, be better in a role. Than, and, and conversely, you might be... Um, you know, much older, but because you bring those elements of yourself to the job, you're better at mm. the job. Yeah, that carries on into into other areas. Yeah, and with regards to experience, because again, um, it's come a topic that's come up when when talking about age in the workplace in particular it applies to life um, as well. But is the topic of experience, and quite often um like when applying for jobs and stuff like that there's a huge emphasis put on experience and having 
you know obviously skills but so, so however many years experience in a certain field yeah obviously for people who are maybe 18 or even 16 going into their first roles you can't get the experience until you get the experience as it were so I mean from an employer's perspective um what are your thoughts around that in the sense that there's there is quite a lot of emphasis put on actual experience rather than the potential um that could come out of employing someone yeah it, it's it's tricky because it depends on the type of role that you're looking to recruit and the particular skills and capabilities that you want them to have i think uh years experience in a role is quite a bad metric because it, it doesn't matter you could be in a role for 10 years and learn nothing you can be in a, a role for six months and learn a hell of a lot mm. um, and therefore your experience is much more relevant than the number of years in a role and mm. your ability to be able to talk that through now i think age in the workplace you know there are two areas of challenge there are young people getting into the workplace you know struggling to evidence their practical work experience because maybe they don't have any and um, they're right out of school or college with no tangible work experience to rely on but there are also challenges at the other end of the age spectrum where people tell me that because of their age and experience they are overlooked for roles um, because people make preconceived judgments about it and I think in all of those cases, there's, there's legislation out there around age discrimination to try and deal with that. Um, but we've got a lot of work to do, I guess, as a society and as an organization to make sure that we're not biased towards ages at either end. Um, and interestingly, something like the, the pandemic is, is really, and people's remote working that's come about as a result of it, is actually going to open up um, a lot more opportunity for more people to work for organizations and i think that's that's going to create good competition and and good leveling up and i think this affects many uh, of the areas we've been talking about in terms of diversity but um you know an area reasonably close to my heart is mothers returning to work because of my wife and her journey back into the workplace um, and there's a huge amount of latent talent that isn't necessarily easily accessing the workplace at the moment because of our Victorian ideal that work happens between nine o'clock in the morning and 5.30 in the evening in a place. Mm. And what the pandemic's done for us is it's exploded that myth. It's clearly been a myth for a while, but it's properly exploded it and recognized that it isn't about when you work and the hours nine o'clock till 5.30, it is about hours. Certainly, if you don't put in enough hours, you've got a problem. But when you put them in and how you do it and whether you do them in short bursts and they're spread over a much longer period of time or whether you, you know, those things should be much more flexible. And I think that having flexible working is a great way to help address some of the inequalities that are out there. It's also an area of privilege again. So mm. the organisations and people that work in they can successfully work in a remote uh, area tend to have more innate privilege um you know typically better um better educations typically um white collar jobs and so that's only 
sort of furthering, uh, you know, the, the gap that we already have in society. Um, and, and that's something that we've, we've got to address because you could end up with a society where, you know, educated middle-class workers end up working from home with huge amounts of flexibility. And then another load of workers end up having to go out the house every single day uh, and working in their old world. Um, and that, that's, that's a strange shift that we're actually living through at the moment. Because if you work in a shop or if you work, or you can't at the moment, but if you could work in a shop, if you could um, work in the supermarket, or if you're in public service, if you're a doctor, you're a teacher, you're a nurse, you've got to go out of the, the, work, the house to work every day. Um, you don't get some of those innate privileges that come with working in a, in a knowledge-based job uh, you know, from your home office or your spare room. This kind of relates to the age conversation, actually, because I know a lot of friends and friends of friends who've lost jobs throughout the pandemic. I'm not saying this is the um, opinion of, of a lot of people, but I know people who have had experiences that essentially made them feel expendable because of their age. Change at the beginning of your career, you know, moving companies is hugely valuable. In fact, it's quite valuable all the way through to a point until you've really understood who you are, what you want to do. Um, and then it's very important to put down a track record of you know, consistent delivery, which you can then take with you wherever you go. But in the early days, if you're finding yourself, there's actually no harm in moving around a bit. And I certainly had experience of um, moving companies multiple times uh, in the first three years after university until I kind of found myself in the right sort of job. Um, and some of those were my decisions, some of those were forced upon me, but certainly I benefited from seeing the culture and the experience in different types of organisations early on in my career. Um, and then I was able to put down a stint of eight years and that was a, it was a really lucky time for me because of that. And it was a company, and here's one of the key things, it's a company that invested in personal development. So I benefited from that company's ethos and developing me and not not formal training necessarily but you know coaching mentoring I had some of the best managers that I've ever had in that first kind of what I call proper job because the first two I bounced around off the university um, and interestingly those those managers were women and they were really really supportive and they really helped me in the early stages of my career developing a confidence in selling which I didn't have at the time um, you know, and that ended up providing me with the confidence to get on, but also maybe some of the, you know, reflective thinking and some of the supportive nature that, that I, I hopefully still have today. Um, so, so I do think that it might not be all bad for some of the younger people who feel like their role was they were in and they were out because, you know, see it as a benefit, see it as a, a, an opportunity to learn about a different culture, a different kind of job until you find yourself. And, um, you know, maybe you, you know exactly who you are straight away, but I certainly didn't when I was 18, 19, 20. Yeah, yeah I know. I think back to um, having, I mean, it was only, what, 10 years ago or so for me, but <laughs> like thinking back to the expectation of being 18 and supposedly knowing exactly what you want to do with your life. I had absolutely no idea then and haven't <laughs> haven't had much of an idea since. <laughs> yeah, just... and do you know what? I don't, 
I would say that I probably didn't even work it out until about two or three years ago. Sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, 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 it is only in the last two or three years that I've become incredibly comfortable in the person that I am. Um, mm. And and that's, uh, I, I can't really explain why that is, but, it, but, but what's interesting is when you do find that point, you can't, there might have been ways to get it earlier, I don't know. Um, but you then your performance can improve. You can go on and do even more um, mm. because you don't you don't carry the baggage or the anxiety that comes from not quite knowing who you are. Hello, my name is Amuli. I'm an education worker with a legal background and a passion for education reform and mental health reform. My name is Shalina Samani. I'm a chartered project professional. I've been a project manager for a number of years, more than 30, um, and I work across the world. So I've had the fortune to work internationally. And because I was born in Africa, raised in the UK and have worked so much internationally, I'm so aware of diversity and have included so much of it in my life but also being subject to prejudices and discrimination. So, so that's why this is important to have these conversations. Do you think there's ageism in the workplace? Absolutely, massive ageism. Depends on the workplace. Mm. Um, when I think about my time in the performance industry, massive ageism in the performance industry, mm. um, because of the fact that it's so superficial as well in terms of what you look like does matter um, in that industry, that often people are waiting to be old enough to do parts that they want to do um, or they are being told they're not um, young enough to do parts um, and not young, not young enough or spry enough yet um, or, or younger people are just having to wait and wait and wait for the part that they want um, and um, the, the industry is kind of flooded with, with young people but that doesn't necessarily mean the life, life is easy. Um, I think in all in all professions, there's ageism, um, overt and covert um, ageism. And I, I'm lucky in my current job at Inter University, we are a relatively young organisation. Um, so I don't feel so much like I'm being, um, I'm the only young person there because a lot of us are um, in our 20s and 30s um, until you get higher up to head office level. Um, so I appreciate the environment being being varied in ages. Um, and I think, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that there's also the human condition to gravitate towards what's what's um, the human condition to gravitate towards what is familiar. familiar thank you. What is familiar um, means that we don't we don't like to cross the divides wherever yeah. we see them. I, I think there's also the point about implied maturity and implied capability where somebody will select somebody who's older purely because they they perceive them to be more trustworthy more reliable more capable and they may discard a younger person based on age and, and not take any account of their potential or their actual capability so, so I think the spectrum of, of prejudice goes across all areas where for example somebody like Patrick Stewart will get a role because of who he is or Dame Judy Dench whereas a young person could equally play that role in business you may get somebody promoted to seniority by dint of, of how long they've been with an organization rather than what they could offer in terms of evolving growing pushing the organization forward and mm -hmm. and 
And sometimes there's a young person that can do that. And other times it's an older person that can drive that. So the yeah. perception of age definitely colours people's um, ability to interpret skills or, ability, or, or capability. Also, what I will say is I've experienced being paid less just because of my age. When I used to work as a tutor, um, I was paid oh five pounds an hour because I was under 18 um, oh to word. do the same job as somebody who was 21 who was being paid seven pounds an hour. And that was purely based on age and not ability. And I think also at university, there's a lot of ageism. Um, on my law course, there were quite a few um, mature students. Um, I had a colleague who was ooh, 56 and was doing his undergraduate law degree. And people thought that he was a lecturer often and thought that he knew everything often because he was older. Um, and people are often surprised when they find out my age because of how I present myself. And they think that it's a compliment to tell me that um, that because I'm younger, they're just so very impressed. Um, but it isn't really a compliment to be told how impressive I am just because of my age. During coronavirus, I have so many friends who are incredibly well qualified and who just need the experience in order to get into higher roles. And they're having to apply for entry roles, even though they're better than that, um, or even though they are higher qualified, um, because they just don't have the experience to back up applying for more senior roles. Yeah, I find as well that like in in certain sectors as well, there seems to be like, for example, in the past, when I've applied because I work in marketing, when I've applied for marketing roles, they want you to be able to do everything, like cover the ends of the earth from knowing how to use every single social media platform available to knowing how to do stuff that you'd only really know from working in a marketing role, like how to manage campaigns and stuff if, if you'd had a marketing role before. And I find it so frustrating because you'll go through all of these requirements for the role and then the pay is like 18 grand or something exactly. like that and it's so frustrating and you know for a fine fact that the majority of people applying for those roles will be because it's an entry-level role like you're saying will be younger and it's just I find it I mean money's not the the be all and end of it but it's more the expectation of like you need to be able to do everything from such a young age but we're not actually going to help you as a young person to be able to do Absolutely. these things you make a good point as well about the pay for an entry level role. I think the other issue that young people can face in, in going into the workplace is not being taught or not being treated like they're allowed to question their pay or allowed to question um, how they're being treated or whether they're actually being treated at the same level as their own worth. Mm. I applied for a job, um, I think about two years ago, where the pay was um, around the 18 mark, but it was it, it would have been a pay cut to what I was being paid. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say yes to that. And I explained that and I said, unless this is going to be a part-time role or I'm able to take on other roles at the same time, it's not, it's not viable, especially in London. Um, and it's something that in Britain, I think people are quite uncomfortable about talking about a lot of things and money is one of them. And we don't have enough open conversations about the importance of money. Obviously, there's no, it's not the be all and end all, but it is for a lot of people in order to live. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a massive issue as well. And I think you find people undervaluing themselves at all ages. I know 
my mum sometimes undervalues herself, even though she has all this experience. Um, but you can do that at any age. I think undervaluing yourself is ageless. Um, mm. It's based on the prejudices you've experienced or the way you've been told to value your own worth. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I was like a question for both of you, actually, for two different perspectives. It's, what are your experiences with being taken less seriously, but it's more people expecting less of you because of your age? if that makes sense. I think there's so many areas you, you can talk to here. So for example, I, I happen to have very good technical skills and, and quite often it's the opposite that I'm underestimated because it's presumed that because I'm a certain age bracket that I will not have those skills. Mm. And, and I find that extremely irritating yeah. or, or that I won't have the energy or I won't have the passion or commitment or enthusiasm and, and none of those are true. So, mm. so it's interesting that, that quite often I'm underestimated based on age or indeed being female oh it might be difficult for you to travel what will your husband think well a I don't have a husband and b I'm the one applying for this role not him and yeah. um, if I did have one then then that would be a, a separate conversation that doesn't include you um, <laughs> so so there's all of those sorts of things where where people make judgments as a woman as to what your other commitments may be and your availability to fulfill the role as they need um, there's also a certain amount, and I remember when I was younger, there were often times where people would say, well, we really like your enthusiasm, but we really don't think you're ready for this role. And when you ask the question to say, well, and, and as Anuni mentioned earlier, being able to ask the question, what would I need in order to be ready? Well, it's nothing we can specifically talk to now. And, and me being somewhat feisty, it's that, well, how have you assessed me as not being suitable if you can't explain the basis of that suitability? Yeah. But, but that takes courage to challenge that. And it's only when you've been working for a while and you know that other options will come through that, that you can take that somewhat assertive approach, which, of course, if you're female, is aggressive, um, and, and actually challenge those, those decisions. But, but that takes courage, and, and you have to do it in the appropriate way. Otherwise, then you're, you're definitely marked for life as somebody that's, that is difficult to deal with. Also, separately, a point I wanted to make about the idea of having enough experience to go into different jobs. I think one of the really difficult things about having enough experience to move jobs as well is that I think we live in a world where people are trying to change careers a lot more often. I think that's a positive thing. I want to experience yeah. lots of different careers and lots of different industries. But when you're expected to have so much experience of one industry just to get into it, just to get in the door, how are you supposed to become diverse in your experience and your expertise? Because you're never given the chance. Mm. You also have the other end of that. So with me, I have worked across industry in many different roles. And quite often I'm, exper I'm experiencing the feedback that says you're too experienced. Your background is too diverse. You haven't specialised in a single area or a single industry sector. And, and so the other end of it is, is people saying, oh, no, no, you're, you're too qualified or, or we don't think you'll fit in with our younger teams. Mm. Actually, again, it, it's a judgment. It, it, it's about prejudices and, and what people are comfortable with. And, and you'll find that some managers will not hire people older than them because they're uncomfortable about having older people report to them. And do you find that um, changing careers and people maybe not, um, perhaps in the past, it was more the case that people would really invest in a career you know be in a job for longer than 10 years whereas these days these days like to me that sounds bizarre I'm like five years is a long time in a job for me but it's do you think that that um it's that that is a difficult 
area to talk about in terms of employers, employees? Because, for example, do you think perhaps maybe employers might be less inclined to invest time and money and training into individuals if you if they think for whatever reason they're not going to stick around for that long be it because of their age they want to you know move on to a different job perhaps they see a woman and they think oh she might have a baby at some point so whatever Mm -hmm. I'm throwing examples out here and I'm not saying it's a good thing at all but I'm interested in your thoughts I think that if employers are treating their employees as if they will leave then that's exactly what they will do. They will leave. Um, And I think that it's a really positive thing that people want to experience different careers. And for me, Mm. I I want to experience different careers and different industries, but I also want to be in a place that is nurturing. And if I find that place, especially since it doesn't feel like they're they're very easy to come by, um, I will be inclined to stay in that place Mm. because that is a nurturing both both personally and professionally to me. Uh, I recently had a talk from a woman at City Mental Health Alliance and she was talking about the 18 to 26 bracket of young people and how much more um, mental health literate they are and and they did a survey of these young people and and so many of them said I'm much more inclined to to apply for a job or to accept a job um, in an organization that talks about their mental health provisions or talks about their support for mental health in um, in their workplace culture. And I'm much more likely to disclose any mental health difficulties I've been experiencing in a workplace that talks about them and is supportive of them. So that's a way that people are losing employees mm-hmm. because their culture is is not supportive in so many different ways not just Mm. race but mental health support um, and also nurturing them to grow and to diversify in their experience if employees um, felt like they could grow and um, upskill professionally in the place they are maybe they wouldn't want to move so much I think Mm. that's the other thing as well whereas what people purport the organisation to be at interview is often not the case when you actually go into the job. So true. You're recruited on the basis and an understanding of a particular role, a, 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 an atmosphere that is described as, as functional and enthusiastic and committed and so on. And then you get into the role and you find that it's sniping and it's backbiting and it's mm. unsupported and, and the, the values and morals that are espoused by the organisation are not delivered within the role or indeed the immediate manager of that department. So I think that that whilst employers have the the right to seek longevity in in somebody's employment, they also have a responsibility to to deliver on what they say the organisation is and Mm. and to actively support people professionally and personally and deliver against the promises they made both in advertising and interview. Mm. And and that's true on both sides, both as as the, the applicant and the prospective employee. But, but I think Anuni's really right that, that if you're not finding that, that the organisation is true to what they had espoused themselves to be and, and the terms under which you took the role, then of course you're going to look to change. Yeah. And equally, if you find a role that where, where the organisation is inclusive, inclusive and lives by its word, then you want to be part of that. It, that that organism is, is worth supporting and, and feeding and, and investing in. So, so you stay. I don't think it's easy to make an organisation inclusive because there's so much that needs to be taken into account. And I think a lot of what we've spoken about so far are things that can be seen when you look at a person. But when you Mm. think about 
sexuality and mental health, which I mentioned briefly, these are not things that you necessarily um, know about a person immediately or that they have to disclose. But Mm. it's important to recognise that you shouldn't just be providing for the diversity that you're aware of. Yeah. And you shouldn't just be including the people that you know have have protected characteristics. You should be creating an inclusive environment for every kind of person. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Tune in again next week to hear more about how age affects us all in the workplace.